Why does this thing exist? Podcast. Why does this thing exist? Podcast. Good morning, friends. Good morning. Simon and Dean here as always. Oh. Coming at you like Cleopatra. Oh, remember Cleopatra, Dean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Nineties, weren't they? Like they didn't last uh, as long as perhaps they should have done. Because that was like the year where girl and boy bands were just ten a penny. They were whipping through them in the nineties. I didn't yeah. notice Dean that uh, the fashion of the nineties, the late nineties, early noughties is coming back around now. So I've noticed some familiar things coming out. Yeah, I mean, I've, yeah. on here I've talked about uh, distressed jeans and stuff. So maybe that mm-hmm. was. Uh, an element of that about it. A lot of yeah. sweatshirts. Yeah. It's something I actually wanted to include in this, but I just can't find it anyway. Um, yeah. Do you remember late 90s, it would have been, when Sky it went from analogue to digital Sky, I think, and then you could have those channels where you could call up and request a song, like three quid, like Smash oh, yeah. It. Yes, yes, yes. And they had was it called The, the Box? Bo- the Box. Yes, the Box was one of this. The Box, yeah. Smash It. And they had a few metal ones and stuff. And Because yeah. my sister liked that sort of stuff. It was always on but we never paid anything for it. But they just had like, every hour they had like the same four things on a loop. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and I remember doing the hike of like the post-Spice Girls, after they come out, but it was still a big thing. Like uh, the box were doing this, um, uh, like just any girl band was suddenly, uh, suddenly like hot property. Because like, oh, they'll be the next, no, they're the next big, they're the next big thing. And I remember when she had on, because like, I was like trying to do some work in the room, I saw it like, six times in the space of an hour. So I was just <laughs> yeah. like, it was burned in my memory just by sheer attrition. And it was a band called Kick Angel, who, again, I haven't heard of since or before. No, I barely heard of during. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, they said, like, it was an interview with them interspersed with their, their debut single. Yeah, this is a, this is a called Bewitched Era, where you could have one song from a band and they'd become mm-hmm. big, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And it was it was saying, yeah, uh, so you've been called the bad girls of pop. How do you react to that? Because, well, you know, yeah, we you know, we have a reputation, but we we stick to it because we're, we're just all about girl power. You know, we really want to challenge what the what the man is saying. Like, hey, no one's heard of you. <laughs> you don't have a reputation at all beyond this screen time you've got right now. B, you're a manufactured pop band. I don't think that's you know it comes to fighting the system. That that's not it. And C, they're interspersing this with your debut song. Uh, which is a very slow ballad. <laughs> just, just misunderstood. Ooh, the bad girls of pop there crooning, crooning at you, hoping that you will buy their single and never think of this again, which nobody did. So, yeah. Uh, it's a weird nugget of memory I have, which serves no just purpose. Just burned onto your brain. Yes, until this yeah. moment, I've never had, I never had cause to use it. <laughs> we'll try and find them, Dean. I'd like to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll set up another Google alert. Yeah, set up a Google alert, Dean. <laughs> for Kick Angel. Okay. Kick fine. Angel. Google we'll get some stuff for that, I'm sure. Uh, so, part one. What are you going to show me this week, please, Dean? Well, Simon, I thought I'd show you something which you might already be aware of. Uh, mm. If not, it should be fascinating. If so, it should be uh, nostalgic for you. So, okay, good. So here it is. There's nothing new about people pushing themselves to the limit. Just okay. ways of doing it. There's twenty contestants. There's one truck. Oh, touch the truck! Touch yes. the truck! <laughs> you must touch the truck at all times. <laughs> Two, you cannot sleep. <laughs> Dale Winton, God rest his soul. Yes. To the truck. He's up there now, panting bear. <laughs> Get ready for Touch the Truck. Start Sunday at 8 on 5. 
Touch the truck. Yes, so it's the uh, basically that's the trailer for Touch the Truck. Um, I've had a few articles about it as well, which summarise it for uh, the the weary, unwary listener. Yeah, um, give, give a summarization of uh, Touch the Truck to listeners. So just in case Touch the Truck is basically uh, the concept. There's an article on uh, ukgameshows.com uh, describes it. Uh, comes from the US idea called Hands on a Hard Body, <laughs> which is obviously sounds different. Um, yeah, it's a kind of double entendre there. Yeah, basic rules is one truck, there are 20 contestants. Contestants must touch the truck. Uh, they will not sleep. They get 10 minute break every two hours and 50 minute break every six hours. Uh, last one touching the truck wins the truck. <laughs> Simple as it sounds, sounds crap, as they say here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so touch the truck was a Live game show on primetime television where 20 people stood in a circle touching a truck for hours on end. And, yeah. And that's it. That's, that's the premise. <laughs> Psychologically, I go, oh, yeah, that's an interesting experiment, isn't it? Oh, so, you know, how, how much can people endure? How, you know, what, what will happen to them mentally if they are forced to stay in physical contact with an inanimate object for hours and hours, days on end? Visually, <laughs> It doesn't sound like the most stimulating or entertaining prospect. Yeah. Literally, people keeping still for many, many hours. And I, yeah. I know people who have pitched TV shows, you know, creative comedy scripts and stuff, and have had them knocked back for, or people aren't going to be into this, or no, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. This was on primetime television. <laughs> and I want to know how that happened. What what was the rationale behind putting this on TV for everyone to see? 20 strangers touching a car. <laughs> well, the obvious answer is that it would be incredibly cheap to make. That you, all you need to buy is a car and a couple of cameras and <laughs> Dale's fee. Yeah. But I guess what they were hoping for would be like some kind of Big Brother style, uh, psychological warfare, or Big Brother yeah. style psychological breakdowns uh, <laughs> I, during yeah. the process of filming. I, I, I've got a feeling there was some conflict and there was some um, mental anguish amongst the contestants. I'm sure there was a bit of that, but that hey, you're going into ethical minefields already. Absolutely. Oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of these game shows are just like, how, how can we break uh, scientific ethics and make it entertaining? You know? Yeah. So but with Big Brother, I sort of get because you know, it makes more sense because it's people just born about a house interacting as people do. Yes. Which obviously we are a social species. We like that sort of thing. We like to stare at people and see what they do. You know, we feel like uh, the voyeuristic urge we all have is there. There's, there's very few scenarios where I think, oh, I'd love to Watch people stand in a circle touching a car right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remaining completely motionless for as long as possible. <laughs> what do you describe it like that? It sounds like anti-TV. It's as boring and as <laughs> inspiring as possible for, for a visual medium primarily. <laughs> so yeah, but you know, this obviously this made it through several checks and balances in terms of yeah, yeah. like well, producers. Yeah, yeah. Like the article said, it's a British remake of an American show. So it was much, Big Brother was the same as well, wasn't it? It was, yeah, uh, was a Dutch property. Yeah, it was Dutch or Scandinavian or something. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, a yeah. UK property. Yeah. But, but again, but that one makes sense. This one. Yeah. It, you, you, I can sort of see it as a concept when it's dis- described to you. You've got, oh, right, okay, hmm. they've got to touch a truck. Oh, I'll watch that. But then the actual practicalities of it is 
it, like you said, is just people stood around touching a truck. Yeah. So, and I think if I remember correctly, they started the program with them first putting their hands on the truck. And, yeah. But what they should have done was have that already banked and get to the point, you know, 17 hours in where their minds are, f- are fragmenting, you know, <laughs> and just start episode one like that. Cause nobody wants to watch people just stood around just chatting or looking a bit tired and that they just want people's minds to be, yeah. you know, I think split open on telly, didn't they? Exactly. On paper, the, the intrigue or the, 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 part, the entertainment part is the, the tension. You're like, Oh, can they handle this? Like, Oh, yeah. who's going to break first? Who's going to last yes, longest? Yes. But that's the destination. The journey is, yeah. is, is really, really tough. <laughs> yeah. It's really uninspiring. Yes. Yeah. If I'm right, this was an era when that happened fairly often because it was just after after Big Brother and also I think after The Weakest Link. I think that was the uh, originator of the – that you could mean, mean to contestants. Yes. Yes. And that yes. was yes. actually entertaining. I'm sure that came from somewhere else. I don't know, like, like, like Simpsons made up with Japanese game shows that always mean to the contestants. But, you know yeah. – the far more wacky way, or something yeah. like you know, like a was it George the Kaiser Simpsons? Like a, your culture, your reward knowledge, we punish ignorance, <laughs> <laughs> which is a different sort of film. It is at least visually stimulating to see people yeah. be like put to the middle into Ketty's castle. But you know, these people volunteer for this; they know what's coming. This like mm. Anne Robinson just being condescending to people was a new thing. Yeah, and I remember, I think it was uh, the, the first sort of prominent cash-in on that or attempted rip-off was Dog Eat Dog, the show of the way Eureka Johnson. We're suddenly mean now because that's that's the thing, oh, isn't it? All right. But I don't think Eureka Johnson ever was. She was always kind of like the the fun bubbly one, but now suddenly she's stern. And that was like, you know, people have to fight against each other and stuff. And um, But the, the final game was having to walk across a sort of strip of lights uh, right. with, with your feet sort of as even, keeping your pressure as even as possible because if they detected uneven pressure, that the lights would go off and then you'd lose. Yeah. And they, they, it was built that Rika Johnson helped design this uh, final game. Like, okay, but the game involves watching people walk very slowly <laughs> across across a platform yeah. <laughs> and hoping nothing happens. Like, uh, <laughs> which again, if you're just designing a challenge, fair enough. If you're designing a, a visually stimulated thing, bad, <laughs> yeah. very yeah. bad. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Or something like a Unanimous is a game show where you have to, you know, people like like a Big Brother thing, 10 people in a room, a £50,000 prize, and they had to sort of, the only one who won was the one who everyone agreed should win. It had to be a unanimous verdict. Okay. Don't remember just, that one. Uh, again, it didn't last long because people are arguing. Just, yeah. Because yeah, exactly. nobody would do that, would they? Yeah. <laughs> it's very uncommon for that. The one with Jasper Carrot. Um, oh, golden balls, golden balls, yeah. yeah. And his catchphrase was, "Will you share or will you shaft?" <laughs> it was called golden balls. It's called don't golden bring, balls. No, don't no, bring no. shafts into it as well. <laughs> but, but Jasper Carrot played it totally straight. Yeah, okay. Jasper Carrot, not yeah. the man known for being the straight, the straight guy. So, yeah. I think it was like that year of oh, they just they, they realized that oh, now we have this new thing where we can make contestants suffer in some way. Yeah. Uh, so let's do that. People love that, but it has to yeah. be entertaining as well. You can't just make them suffer and just film the results like like a fly in the wall thing. Yeah. Sometimes that works, but yes. with touch the truck, cool. Twenty people with their hands on a vehicle, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, 10, 20 seconds. No, no, this is this is this is six days, right? <laughs> yeah, 
I find cricket duller for that long, but at least that's a sport. At least something's yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a chance someone's going to get hit in a ball, <laughs> yeah. you know, at 90 like miles an hour, there. like, you know. Something is going on visually, like, oh, there's... Yeah. That guy's doing a jump. That guy's hitting a bat. There is something to look at. Yes, <laughs> yes. I don't look. Someone going slowly, <laughs> hopefully not irre- irrevocably insane, is <laughs> visually engaging for primetime oh, television. Really Channel is. 5 on a Monday night. <laughs> they could have made it better if they had... Uh, so the truck is there, the contestants stood around, and there's a camera on the contestants. If there was a separate camera on the face, directly looking at the face of each contestant, and the contestant was mic'd up. Mm. And through the whole process, there was uh, some kind of psychologist asking them what their mental thoughts were at that very moment. Yes. So that would be like um, a physical test of standing and touching for that long. Mm. And then also the mental test of having uh, to come up with ways to answer the question, how are you? How are you feeling? <laughs> Where you haven't done anything apart from touch a truck for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. And are constantly reminded that you are yeah. built on camera. Yeah. Some some element of writing insight. Great. Like that, that could have worked. Mm. It, it's uh, technically it's a show, I think, designed for the YouTube era because like uh, my son watches a lot of the YouTube guys, like Mr. Beast. He's like one of the most, uh, definitely one of the most rich ones, one of the most successful. Mm. But he has like regular episodes where I fifty people in a circle stay there for like whoever stays the longest wins a hundred grand. But he's all right. Yeah, so people like in this big circle just standing there interacting and chatting. But he's constantly throwing things up. Like there's a marching band is going to stay here and play for six solid hours. So they, they <laughs> do that, and we're going to shorten the circle now. Now they're forced. He makes it. You know, he adds variety, and yeah, crucially. It's not just him going, right, there's people standing in a circle for 12 days. Here's the camera. <laughs> <laughs> just wanders off and comes back a week later. Ah, nobody's dead. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the clear. I just walked off again. Because yeah. that would be actually, you know, maybe anyway, some people watch that, I'm sure. But it's yeah. uh, not not what he, you know, it's not good telly. No, it's not. Good, no, yeah. No. So, yes, touch the truck. Uh, I... Remember it vividly, clearly, because I remember it to this day. But uh, as, a, as a concept, I, I think it needs work. Let's go with that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. I think if we're coming around to scores now, I'd say that Touch a Track has enough about it where you could say, like, oh, yeah, that's kind of interesting. But the way that they delivered it was poor. Really. That's exactly it. I say, if, weirdly, <laughs> despite the mockery it's got, I think it was a show ahead of its time. Yes, yeah. yeah. 15 yeah. years later, I think it could have been something, something genuinely quite inter- interesting. There. Yeah. And if they'd filmed it all and then just made one episode out of it even, or, you know, like you said earlier, like it'd be perfect for clips of YouTube, that sort of thing. Hmm. But, yeah, to make it your primetime entertainment, that was a failing, really. I will say that, though, but it's a curveball. Based on, you know, a TV show which has like a very, very, very flimsy premise. Premise, yeah. That does actually seem to work. Touch the truck, hosted by Noel Edmonds, doing his deal or no deal thing, just walking around mm. people like getting all Noel Edmonds in their face, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about, oh, oh. Because obviously his deal or no deal antics are quite um, uh, stimulating, <laughs> captivating yeah. in, a, in a very questionable way, but. I think there could uh, be something yeah. to that. If, if, because Dale Winton is, his main thing was his geniality. He was 
It's someone who's a bit more sort of a, or even like Richard O'Brien, a creepy element to it. Might have been, yeah, that would have been good. Yeah. Might have been intriguing, yeah. but it's, yeah. An added element of uh, terror in a way. Yeah. Like, or to uh, yeah. the psychological torment of it yeah. all. Yeah. yeah. The oddness of the situation. Like, yeah. yeah. Like John Waters, something just like, no, trucks, eh? <laughs> I think that's what he sounds like. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> that might be Vincent Price. I'm thinking of you. Yeah, I think you did do Vincent Price then. Yeah. Quite a good Vincent Price as well, to be fair. No, let's love this truck. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you, butler vampires. <laughs> no, I hate you, butler. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect, dude. <laughs> Glad you <talked. laughs> Uh, I'm going to give Touch the Truck three out of five, Dean. No, I'm going to give it four. I'm going to give it four. I was going to give it four as well because uh, I thought like there's a lot of premise to it, a lot of promise to the premise, but yes. uh, poorly executed. So uh, no, that's one of the things. That maybe it was, maybe it was the executive's fault, not the originators, and I think they uh, they should get some credit for that. I suppose, which yeah. they, they haven't got before now. So I want to make up for lost time. Yeah, give it to them. Give it to them good, uh, real good. Oh, what about Ronnie Dangerfield, wasn't it? Hey, oh, a truck, a truck in the just please to see me. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told I can do Ronnie Dangerfield. I'm not sure that's true. Sounds like later. Johnny Bravo did. Yeah, Stick to your Vincent Price. <laughs> yes. Welcome back, listeners. We're moving on to part two now. Um, this is where I will show something to Dean. And mm-hmm. I'm breaking from format a little bit here now, Dean. And I want to just talk about, I haven't got a particular product in mind. or. Okay anything really more of a concept and what the thing i wonder about is um expensive watches okay right just generally what's that all about yeah just generally like (laughs) you know your rolexes and stuff yeah yeah uh... yes so this watch i found here now is two hundred seventy-five thousand. jesus christ yeah that's that's a bit much Right, wow. that's an extreme version of it. This particular watch, it looks shit. I thank you. Um, this is not a thought I'd have had to articulate before, but it it's sort of the. I find the more elaborate the watch is, the more, or, or the more whistles and bells attached to it. One of their description, yeah. The, the less of use as a watch it is, because I can't we- use it to tell the time. If you told me that watch costs fifteen pounds, I'd say, oh yeah, okay. It doesn't look like something that's worth over a quarter of a million pounds, does it? No, it, not, not even, not even slightly. It, if it was like jewel encrusted, like like those diamonds yeah. on the side, all right, you fair enough. That's, yeah, that's full of diamonds, but it would look awful. It would look gaudy as everything. So I think that would be still an ugly watch, but a, a clearly expensive one. Yeah. Do we, do we know why this is so expensive? Um, no, not at all. I mean, there's some more here. Like this, this one's seventy-two thousand pounds. It, oh, it looks like a watch. Bargain, the bargain basement one is fourteen thousand pounds. So, I understand that handmade, precision-made uh, timepieces. Uh, you have experts making those, yeah, um, mm. uh, and it's a skill to make them and to fix watches. But yeah, does nobody it- knows that. Like with a watch, like unless you are showing it to people nobody knows you've got it really because people don't look at other people's wrists no, um, no. they'll ask you the time this is part of my <laughs> who is it yeah. for you know because yeah we, it's... We, the only other person that would know you were wearing that quarter of a million pound watch was someone who's looked at that quarter of a million pound watch and covered it in a way 
Well, it's very much a rich person's bauble, isn't it? It's yeah. it's clearly it's a prestige thing. It's like yes, I, I I got this. This is worth a quarter million. It's on my wrist, mm. my wrist which I bang against doors and stuff for that. Yeah. It's ostentation that way. Because like, if you told me you go to me, like, here's an object. I've just I've given you this gift. Oh, how much it cost? Quarter of a million pounds. <laughs> yes. I'm going to keep it nowhere near my fucking skin and the secretions. I'm going to put it in a safe and never, ever let yeah. it see the light of day because I'll probably sell it on when I need to. Yeah. And I remember seeing an advert once. I can't remember. I think, I think it was um, in this country. It might have been when I was in America briefly or something. But it was like when, sort of like, uh, at first I thought it was like a perfume advert because they had that sort of swanky vibe about it. And they had like four different beautiful people in tasteful black and white footage saying, uh, so what uh, what garment, uh, or what thing you wear says the most about you? Uh, so I said the most about your personality. I said, is it your jacket? Like, no, no, no. Is it your shoes? No, no, no. Is it your shirt? No, no. Is it your hair? No, no. They all said, no. It's your watch. It's your watch. Mm. It's your watch. And so, like four people say, it's your watch. That's the thing that says the most about you. And then it says, buy X brand watches. And that really annoyed me because I was like, you can't just say that. <laughs> you can't just say like, yeah, here's a, here's a, here's an idea. Your watch is the most important part of your attire yeah. based on the fact that we're just telling you that. So <laughs> you better spend loads of money on one. Like, it was like, just, if you, just because you say it a lot doesn't mean it doesn't mean it's the case. <laughs> no, mm. your watch is the thing which tells the most. No, it isn't. I don't think anyone's ever said that. That's a concept no. I've never heard before. Or since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because it's on advert doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at this, Dean. What's this now? I've got two examples here. This watch is twelve thousand three hundred ninety pounds, mm. and this watch is. £57.5. £57.5. Yeah. There's not a lot of difference between these no. two watches, is there? The £57.5 one looks like it would tell you the time better. Yeah. It's got two time displays, one hand, one analog, one digital. Yes. And a date at the corner. And a, oh, sorry, a date at the top and a temperature in the corner. Yeah. And a tasteful strap. Uh, yeah. This 12,000 one has four separate individual faces within the main face. Yeah. Lots of little knobs on the side and and the same band. This has infuriated me massively, Dean. It's it's got a thing which tells you what the date is, but because obviously it's so small, it hasn't got room to put all the months in. So this watch is displaying (laughs) that it's... Half the month. 25 to December, and by 25, (laughs) they mean July. (laughs) The fuck does that say? What does that even mean? Oh, is, mean, oh, is it the is, it, is the big hand in a day of it? Is it? Like it's meant to say it it's could a, be the big hand could be a day, but it goes up to thirty. What do you do in, <laughs> in months with more than thirty days? Twelve thousand pounds this costs. Yeah, but also oh, excuse me. Do you know what day it is? You're waking up in the prison cell. <laughs> oh, thank fuck they haven't taken my watch. Nobody wants your watch, mate. None of us know what fucking day it is in you. <laughs> Prison scrubs and a £12,000 watch still on your wrist because it's so shit-looking. No one wants to take it. Absolutely also, rubbish. here's the thing. A lot of watches like this, I've noticed on the really expensive ones, they have the phases of the moon on them. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. Unless you're a sailor or something. I don't even, even mm. then. Unless you're like unless you're an astrologer in Greek times. Yeah, always. How is that useful? Yeah. 
it, it's clearly just it, it's a, something tacked on to make it more expensive, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, it is. This watch tells you the phase of the moon. Oh, mm. otherwise I won't know the phase of the moon unless I just look up at night time. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that big circle thing in the sky, is it, is it all there? Oh, well, there yeah. you know. Now you know what phase of the moon is. Phases of moon are only of interest to werewolves, groups of menstruating women, sailors. <laughs> oh, sometimes all three. There's, yeah. there's no reason someone couldn't fall into all those categories. Oh. I quite frankly, that's a sitcom I want to watch. It's, well, it's my dream girl, I tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. The werewolf sailor women yeah. who, whose cycles have synced up because they're all in the same boat. <laughs> Yeah. Literally all of the same boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if she loves a rhythmical guitar-based music, then oh, what a dream girl. We'd sail out to sea. One of you would come back. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't have sex because she's on her period, and then she'd devour me. <laughs> so, you know, if that's your you know, your ideal girl, then fair play, mate. Takes all sorts to make a world, as they say. Yeah, it's only a man who could afford a twenty-four thousand pound watch that could uh, get a woman yeah. like that. I think in, the, in today's modern climate. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I do think that. Oh, Any of them? I, I, I don't. I don't care. I've, like I got a smartwatch because I like to track my steps. I'll say now it was two hundred pounds six years ago, and I've still got it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm quite yeah. happy with it. I've replaced the straps once. It's not triggers watch quite yet, but it's getting there. Why do you like tracking your steps in? You've been having blackouts? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's one of those things, if I know I haven't done the daily target, it makes me do it more. Quantifying okay. it is a motivational thing. Yeah. Before then, I'd just, oh, I'll go for a walk. Well, that's, that's healthy enough, isn't it? But now I've got, oh, I haven't done quite enough steps yet, so therefore i got to do it for another walk. I mean, mm. This is before I had a dog, in which case it's all academic now, because yeah. he's got to take him out all the time anyway. So I feel like you, it comes to like uh, half past eight and you're um, 50 steps down. Your wife asks you to make a cup of tea. You take the kettle upstairs, schedule the steps in. Mm. Not going to say I've done that exact thing, but quite a similar, yeah. You, you have, he has this, as he has. I, I, was like, I can see by his face. I'll, I'll go get it. <laughs> Just like, ah, it's not tracking me enough. <laughs> I'm going upstairs. There's not, I'm, my GPS isn't tracking my movements backwards and forwards. See, like, so the, 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 the horizontal yeah. element isn't quite enough. You need to get it going to the garden. Yeah. So, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm totally with you. As in, when you get past like two or three hundred pounds, uh, unless it's just encrusted with jewels, yeah. I don't see what you get from an obscenely expensive. Yes, I understand. Like, if they're all handmade by a precision watchmaker, yes, that person needs to be paid for their time. But if maybe it takes them a whole year to make one watch, in which case, yeah. yes, pay yeah. them a yearly wage for it. But which isn't a quarter of a million pounds. Well, that's okay. Unless they're working with jewels and diamonds and yeah. solid gold. Yeah, well, that, that, it seems like asking for trouble. Just have a watch on your having a quarter million pounds on your wrist at all times. Just seems like a it's yes yeah, danger. Well, or then again, if you are in that sort of world, you probably don't hang around in many street corners. <laughs> you don't go to spa in Christchurch very often, do you? So. No, no. Uh, but, but again, though, a thief would have to, to know and notice yes, this watch. That's a good point. The thieves aren't the most stupid. Someone who will run up and tackle you and grab your watch probably isn't. Yeah, you a do see jeweler. In, no. You do see it in films where, like, a, a, a mugger would say, like, give me a watch. And, and like, um, in a bank heist or something like that, they always tell them to take their watches off. Yeah. Also, so that's probably that... more, like, um, yeah. just because it's a trope. And also, if it does happen in real life, because it's a trope that mm. they've seen on films, and there's, you know, uh, the element of chance in it, like, you know, well, maybe one of these people will have an expensive watch. 
but I, I don't believe that the average person on the street knows what an expensive watch looks like. No. Like you say, you show me two watches, one fifty quid, one's twelve thousand. And you know, if you t- if you swap them around, I wouldn't have known. No. And I I, I think I'm reasonably well educated and but you know, not the field of watchmaking. Also, I think there's a common trope in films of people paying for things with their watch. You know, just giving a watch yeah. and that's that's like a bartering tool. So yeah. maybe the rich people are constantly wearing <laughs> hyper expensive watches in their wrist in case of the sudden and unexpected collapse of society. So, yeah, yeah. Well, by the time I go home and get back, we might have descended to a bartering state. <laughs> so yeah, case, yeah. I need to keep my status, so I have to have this valuable watch on me at all times. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah. But I think that with pirates, like they say, pirates are all on jewelry because you know, they could die in a moment and they'd have to pay for their burial or something. Really? That. That's the thing, is it? I've heard that. It's almost like like wearable insurance. Um, wow. I don't know how valid that is. Obviously, if you're a pirate, you'd probably die <laughs> being attacked by other pirates. And therefore, well, he's wearing all his gold. We should use that to, to pay for his funeral. <laughs> or <laughs> we just take it and sink his ship. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I don't know if there was a code of honor with the pirates like the mafia or not. I, think, I actually think there was because they were actually quite dip, they were really democratic compared to the navy. That was all pointless. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if other pirates off the ship felt the same. So yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so but then again, pirates didn't wear many watches, so this is not the most no. uh, not the most. Uh, they would have liked to have known the faces of the moon, no doubting. Well, like there we go. Maybe maybe pirates invented this whole concept. Wearable yes. value. Phase of the moon. Yeah, maybe that's where the, you know, that's where it originated. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. I'd, if you learned something today, listeners. Navigation needs timepieces. You need to know how long you've been going and stuff. So, yeah. yeah so. There we, well, there we go. We got it there. We got it in the end. Yeah. I think we're going to have to give this five then, aren't we? Yeah, like, absolutely. I mean, yeah. they paid enough for it. Yeah, <laughs> five right, points yeah. as far as I'm concerned. There we go. Five points yeah. each for um, expensive watches. Yeah. Onto the beeps and boops. Welcome back, listeners. Here we go. The final section. Everyone's favourite section. Random Random. Wikipedia article. Okay, my turn this week. I'm going to click it right now. Here we go. Random article. And it gives us O-Train. O-Train. Corail. Uh, O-Train, a.k.a. Jungun NX Circular Train Korean, was a South Korean sightseeing train operated by Corail. The train began operations in 2013 and transport tourists from Seoul in a circular route through South Korea's central Inland region and back to Seoul. Oh, very good. So it's a tourist train in Korea. Yeah. But uh, I'm okay with that. Oh, look, there's a train here. Uh, okay, that's good. Yeah. Oh, it's a modern train. Um, yes, yes. When I hear the, the tourist train, I always think steam train. Because I think, oh, oh you know, yeah. The, mm. Those are, that's the reserve of those in this country. Yeah. And, uh, that's not fair enough. Obviously, there's a nostalgic, uh, charming trip rather than anything else. Yes. And this yeah. is, uh, very much a modern electric train. Yeah. Yeah. It's got, it's got plug and stuff, got diesel. So, um, it was, uh, a train, um, yeah, it stopped going. Sort of it's just not, it's just not going. Uh, last operation. February 22nd, 2020. Maybe it stopped because of the pandemic then. Yeah, obviously a lot fewer tourists. Um, maybe Korea yeah. was a pretty strong lockdown. Um, oh, it's been succeeded by another train. So okay, it's been replaced. Okay. That's fair enough. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, trains with tourist intentions. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. 
like one yeah, of those. Yeah, definitely. I think. It sounds quite good, doesn't it? Yeah. I remember like when um, I was a kid, like a, like a very young child, we went to, I, I was really into, I was a huge fan of Thomas Tank Engine, loved trains, all that sort anyway. Went on a family holiday to Butlin's Minehead, which you mentioned here before. Awesome. Uh, but the chalets had a little steam train that took you to uh, the main complex. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure it was an like actual steam train or just like a little miniature thing look, designed to look like a steam train. Yeah, puffed out smoke, yeah. Yeah, but uh, my, uh, my parents said I used to really, really, do, I was just a god, I was just like, oh, this is amazing. And that's um, cute, I guess. So like I was into it then. Yeah. That's nice. I'm convinced I've got a memory of being on the last train that run on the line in the Gara Valley where we are from. I remember seeing Conv- it. Convinced yeah. I've got this memory of being on that train, but I haven't got any facts to back it up. It could be totally a fabricated memory, but I remember being on my mother and my gran. You might be, I remember seeing it because my grandfather took me to see it. Because um, we're listeners, but me and Simon grew up in the Garrow Valley, uh, North Wales, so based around the, um, the, the Falder uh, coal mine and various other ones. And when we were growing up as small children, they were still still in use, but obviously that's come and shut them all down. And because I remember, like, in hindsight, feeling really bad about this because mm-hmm. they kept saying, we're going to see the last train. And like, as a kid, I remember, I remember sort of trains up and coming up and down the valley get called was a regular thing. It's just a, a, yeah. a recurring, it's a constant presence in your life. And my granddad said, we're going we're going to watch the last train. And all the miners were there, like all the, all his friends. And I didn't know, I just, they kept, they kept calling it the last train. Yeah. And in my head, I was like saying, that's the goods train or that's the, the passenger train or like, yeah, that's the, yeah, yeah. That's the, yeah, the Tom the old D train. train. Just yeah, the like, name just, of the train. Just a yeah. word for a train. No, it's a yeah. It's like, oh, I don't know why all these old, all, all my granddad's friends are looking at it. Whatever, no case. Um, so I remember seeing it just puff out of the valley because the central square in the valley, you can look down onto the train track. You can see it coming back and forth. Yeah. And it's headed off because, oh, another train, another day. Well, I didn't think anything of it. Only I realized that was literally the last train I ever saw come to the yeah. valley because yeah. it was, as they kept saying, the last train, <laughs> yeah. and that was like a very pivotal moment, um, yeah. which I didn't appreciate because I was three or something, three or yeah. whatever. We were, we were very young. Um, yeah, we would have been. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, you know, it's you know, the train line means a lot to people who, you know, who who depend on it. Who have it has a sort of um, you know, resonance, like it's part it's part of your life when you depend on it and you use it all the time. Mm. Um, I mean, that's quite uh, <laughs> very nostalgic for the valley and the coal industry here. But the old it training career, does, yeah. yeah, yeah, totally does. But the old training career obviously is a more modern thing. Mm. But yeah, I think when it's you know, if you arrive in Korea and you get on this train, which shows you all the local area. I think that will have an emotional impact on people. There's no mm. no way it couldn't really. Like you said about other countries. Um, my first book, uh, I was doing like the doing the rounds of different editions in different countries. Yeah, mostly just remotely, but. I did get sent to uh, the Netherlands at one point, Amsterdam, to do a talk for like this school, which uh, was into this sort of thing. And they said, hey, we got you two two nights, one talk here, one talk there. And one talk was, first talk was in Antwerp. So I had to go oh, to yes. the Netherlands and then go to, to Antwerp oh. in Belgium. Yeah. Well, I've got to get back on a plane now. I said, no, we get your train. Was, what do you mean a train? Like, how do you get a train from one country to another? Like, but that's, Oh yeah, it's like Wales and England. So like that's possible. So like, yeah. And I thought the guy who was 
chaperone. He was going to come with me. He said, no, no, you go by yourself. Is, uh, oh, is, that, is, that, is that okay? Shit, they're going to spend the train ride it's required to go to another whole country in train and I'll be sat in the vestibule like smelling the toilet and stuff yeah. I got on this train and like, he put me on there and like, I walk, walk up this train and thinking am I in Star Trek is that, is that, is that <laughs> yeah. what it is this thing yeah. has replicated this because this is oh, good God this is, like, this is literally the future of ours I'm concerned like, yeah. it, it, little arrows going this is your seat yeah, yeah. Beep, beep 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 this is your seat it was a guy sat in it I said to a guard said um I think that's mine. He goes, <laughs> turfed him out. Hey, it's a hissing. Oh, sorry. We sat there, this, um, sort of, I don't think, I don't think he was even first class. I don't think it was just that's how nice the train was. Yeah. 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 They kept going past in. Would you like some, uh, fancy salad? Is, uh, do I have to pay? No. <laughs> no, this is just yours. No, okay. I'll have it. It's nice. Good. Put some European yogurt drink. Uh, they didn't say that. That's what I'm describing that stuff. <laughs> That's what it's uh, called. The brand name is European Yogurt Drink. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah I guess so. And, um, <laughs> and then it, it took an hour. I got off. It was, oh, now I'm in another country. <laughs> <laughs> and I got off in Antwerp Station. And if you've ever been there, uh, it is the most terrifyingly impressive architectural station you'll ever. It's like seven floors, all of incredibly Baroque architecture. It's escalator. It's almost designed to intimidate in sort of like. Oh, yeah, this is our train station. <laughs> Some people would come to miles round. This would, this would be their cathedral. This is just where we get off. <laughs> okay, this, this place is designed to impress. Well done, everyone. Yes, yeah, so that's the train to the country. So I'm not saying the old train in Korea, which we keep getting away from, is like this. But uh, 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 just one more point about the trains in um, in the Netherlands, Dean. Um, uh, a counter argument. Um, a man laughed in my face on the train in. in um, in the Netherlands, yeah, I had been on on the booze for <laughs> six days at that point, okay. and, and I could literally feel all of my body crumbling around me. But they didn't need to laugh in my face, did they? No, but is that the train's fault or is that uh, more? And I, I, I well, it's my fault. If, if we if we're looking at proportion blame, it's me. No, no, no I think that guy was rude, but I don't, he I'm was sure. rude. I don't think he was rude because of the train, or because I'm, he was just a rude person. I'm not sure though. He might not have been rude. He might have thought of like he was joining in on a joke, which is my face after six <laughs> days of constantly drinking. Yeah, I guess that would be. Yeah, he, he might have thought I was like doing a clown routine or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, doctor, I am Pajalagi, yeah. whatever his name is. He just said, "Welcome uh, to Wales." Oh, train. Let's get back to the train name. Yeah. Uh, so the article says the old train refers to the names to the train's circular route on one that's the three provinces it travels through four cars observatory rooms sightseeing monitors um, the old train is route and run out and back from Seoul to Caron via uh, a loop <laughs> train's opening increased tourist interest in Gangwon's coal mine industry see so it is technically a coal train I guess yeah it's um, coal train yeah trains hey, and coal go hand in hand it says there at the bottom, team, the approximate travel time is five hours. That's a good day out, isn't it? Yeah. Like a five hours tourist train trip is actually a nice deal. Because like, yeah. you can get steam trains here, but they last like 20 minutes. Yes. Because obviously they aren't, they aren't the tracks. So well, I think you can get ones go up in the country. I think you can have like, uh, not the Orient Express, but the Flying Scotsman still goes up and down, I think. That's true. I'd, yeah. I drove yep. past it once, but that's a, that's a long trip. But uh, yeah. Did so, you drive past the Flying Scotsman thinking, oh, I got this for free? <laughs> well, uh, no. 
No, because it's one of those dining carts we haven't been in yet. The old fashioned, like, you sit on mm. with the little lamps on stuff. Oh, lovely. I would love that. Yeah, I like that. Sleeper but, uh, carriages used to have as well, didn't they? I'm intrigued by that. I'd like mm. to try that. I imagine it's probably a lot less comfortable than it sounds, but uh, I like the idea of it. Let's um, think about a score for this Wikipedia article, I think. I personally would give the article three because it's intriguing that I'm about the concept of the, the tourist train which goes around Korea. Yeah. The article seems very um, matter of fact. It does. Uh, it's not a lot of thing to, to perk in interest, to look further there, so really. No, it's like, I think it could say more about like the places it goes to or uh, I don't know the history of it is quite short, but um, yeah, I'm going to give it a three. It, it does its job, does it well enough, but I feel it could do more. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. I think it's a three. It's a good three. Well, congratulations, old train. Uh, and rest, rest peacefully tonight <laughs> in train heaven. <laughs> with Thomas and all his friends looking up at you from hell. <laughs> yes. That's definitely where they were going. What other famous trains are there? Oh, see, Flying Scotsman. Uh, Flying Scotsman, Ordered Express. Express. Um, the Japanese Bullet Train, just general. Bullet Train, general bullet train. Um, um the Flying Dutchman was a ship, wasn't it? It's a ship. Train from Kansas City by um, Shangri-Las. Uh, there was the Midnight Train to Georgia. That was Midnight one. Train to Georgia, yeah. Uh, what was that train that the show was based on after Love Boat? Uh, oh. Yeah, like it, it didn't work because like people <laughs> boats are romantic, trains are not. They're very mm. cramped. Uh, Snowpiercer, that's a... Snowpiercer, that's a train. Doomed to train, but Big, it's, uh, long, long train, that one. Uh, the Butlins Monorail, which we discussed on here. I'll, I'll put that yeah. in there. There was a band called Train. They were terrible. Yes. Uh, Training Day with Denzel Washington. Okay. I feel like we're getting slightly off track here. Um, uh, pull us back on track, Tina. Train. Uh, the... Oh, the the, the, future, the time traveling train from Back to the Future 3. Yes. That's the one I was thinking. There we are. I think, oh, well, there we are. That's the best one as well. Yeah. I think that's all the it trains. It flies away in the end, doesn't it? It flies yeah. away. Yeah. It seems like a massively impractical design, but yeah. it's a time machine. I have no way to judge whether it's <laughs> valid or not. Get in the train, Marty. <laughs> was that a good impression? Do I Vincent Price again before you go. Dude. Okay, let's do Vincent Price one more. Marty, Say get it. on the train. <laughs> Beautiful. What kind of logs in the flame, Marty? You need to go fast. Don't have sex with your mother, Marty. <laughs> no, avoid Biff. He is a bad man. <laughs> Good night, listeners. Good night. <laughs>